0: Hey, hey, GBLers, welcome to Get Busy Living, a podcast that brings inspiring people together to discover what ignites them to be bigger than themselves. I'm your host, Ann O'Neill. I have a rock star of a person on the show with me today and someone I get to call my good friend, Scott McGregor. On this episode, you will hear why Scott is such an incredible human. We discuss the multiple nonprofits he gives back to through an amazing community called the Talent Champions Council and through his Standing O books, which are a compilation of chapters from Olympians, CEOs, Navy SEALs, and Hall of Famers. Enjoy this conversation as we talk about curiosity, people over everything, leaning into the future, and just how fulfilling life is when we are giving back and creating something new.
1: Scott McGregor. What's
0: up? (laughs) How are you?
1: Good to see you. I like the backdrop.
0: Oh, my gosh. Hey, I got to tell you, mean. with all the awesome gear you've been giving me, I was like, I'm putting it up, people over everything. And Scott, it's a big deal because this is also over Lady
1: Gaga, a Lady Gaga picture. That's impressive. <laughs> I've never be Lady Gaga out in my life.
0: Well, hey, thank you so much for making the time to chat and hang out. I'm so excited to hang out with you.
1: Me too. Can't wait. Let's do it.
0: So uh, Scott, I met you through LinkedIn. One of our really good friends, Joy McAdams, tagged me in a post and said, hey, are you connected with Scott? And then I got this awesome message from you, and this is where everything kicked off. And we, you had like eight exclamation points in this message to me, and I was like, <laughs> this is my kind of person to hang out with. So I knew we would hit it off immediately, my kind of vibe. So I'm so happy that you can be here on the Get Busy Living podcast.
1: I am honored beyond belief. I love Joy and I love her even more that she introduced us. And I love our exclamation contest that we have going back and forth. I I still think I'm in the lead, but we'll see.
0: I know. And you never know how I can transform into like emojis or not, but exclamation points was our thing, is our thing. And it's been uh, like three months now. And if everyone's listening, we had Joy McAdams on the podcast earlier like in episode three. And she was just a rock star human where I kind of knew her online. And then when she showed up in real life, and I was able to talk to her. I was like, oh my gosh, Like she's such a dynamic human. And I know you're going to get that from Scott. So we have so much to cover, you know, all of the things that he's accomplished, but I'd really like to even dive in further. And so people have a lot of great takeaways of, you know, how you've gone about things, your mindset, and just kind of some of the things that you've kind of done that inner work to be able to have such an amazing career. So ready to get uh, started?
1: (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: All right, Scott, let's start giving everybody some context, kind of where you grew up. And one of the questions I'd love to ask is, did you have anything you wanted to be when, when you grew up, when you were a kid?
1: Definitely. So I grew up in a little shoreline town in Connecticut called Madison, Connecticut. Phenomenal place to grow up. The problem for me is I grew up pretty poor, Mm-hmm. in a very, very affluent town, which was a really strange, unique way to grow up. I always wanted to be a professional athlete. So I'm jealous of the career that you had, oh. but I always thought, and it it changed as I grew up, you know, it was, I wanted to be a football player. Then I wanted to be a baseball player, okay. wound up playing baseball or getting a scholarship to play baseball in college, blown out my back and my sports career. But did you
0: have this dream since you were like a little kid?
1: Little kid. Uh, yeah. Okay. Little kid. Always. There was no doubt in my mind that was going to happen. And it didn't. But
0: sometimes I always think of those childhood dreams, though, as you get older and you can look back. It's like, oh, I still kind of accomplished that by all that you're doing. And now you're really good friends with a bunch of those Olympians and professional athletes. So you're you're still in the world of that, for sure.
1: Yeah, it was for me, you know. Growing up with not a lot of money in an affluent town like athletics was what leveled the playing field for me. Mm -hmm. So it's what made me feel kind of a part of the community and, you know, didn't make me feel uh, uncomfortable around my friends, because for me, athletics was was something that leveled that playing field. So it was just an incredibly important part of my life for as long as I can remember.
0: Oh, wow. And you did, you accomplished getting a scholarship, but you had a really big injury.
1: I did, you know, and had major league tryouts and and all that, which obviously didn't go anywhere. But yeah, I enjoyed it while it lasted. But once it was over, I'm like, okay, what's next? And what, what was next for me was, you know, how do I not wind up in a situation where I have the stress and anxiety that I saw my parents have by not having the financial means to take care of certain things. So I was just crazy hyper focused on starting my business career.
0: Wow. And so where did you take off from then? like through college, you weren't able to play that much after this major back injury yep. and you focused on school or networking. What did that look like that kind of got you started in the business career?
1: Yeah, I focused on school, you know, as soon as that was over, I focused on school and really focused on what was I going to do after to make money. And I knew like, mm, I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I wasn't going to be an accountant. I wasn't going to be a doctor. So, you know, what were the things that I thought I was I was probably meant to do? And sales for me, I think I knew that was That was going to be my path. I had a mentor growing up, Ken Green, who I call Papa Green, vice president of sales. Yeah, he's in in my first book, Standing O, definitely one of my heroes. And he was a mentor to me. And I kind of saw, okay, wow, this is what you can do if you're a genuinely good person, if you value relationships, you know, and if you're a good communicator, both written and verbal. And, you know, to me, that was the path that I that I chose.
0: So everyone, Scott's motto is people over everything. And we're going to talk about that a lot. Even he's got this awesome art piece behind him that says people over everything. I have one of the t-shirts behind me here. And it's just, wow, it's just so simple, right? So was Ken the one who kind of introduced you to that genesis of people over everything is is the overarching, you know, foundation of work?
1: Yeah, definitely. There was a bunch of people in my life that really focused on people and relationships and i always knew that was kind of even as an athlete growing up it's the athletes that make or break the team and in business it's it's always your people so i got into a leadership role when i was relatively young like in my mid 20s was my first manager role right away i knew that it was the team that i was going to build that was going to predict my success or my failure And so it's always been something that I've just been hyper-focused on. And now to have the ability to kind of advise companies on their people strategy uh, and help hyper-growth startups really kind of live into that is just an incredible blessing. I love it.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. I want to go back to when you were a CRO, And you were like, "Hey, I'm I'm kind of missing out on the talent strategy." So let's talk about just at least what that position looked like, and then kind of the development of something new.
1: Yeah, so I left a Fortune 500 company uh, (laughs) where I was doing very well. I left to go to a startup, and I mean a startup—five people—and people people thought I was absolutely out of my mind. I was 29 (laughs) years old, but the allure of being kind of the Head of anything, especially a role that encompassed not only sales but marketing and also client success, was really appealing to me. And I thought, hey, I'm 29, I've got nothing to lose, even though I did have two kids, a mortgage, and a lot of responsibility already at that age. So I, you know, was very, very blessed. We grew from like five employees to 300, and we had, you know, really substantial success. So you know, in growing, we grew double digits every single year for 17 straight years, which I tell everybody in the beginning, that's super easy to do. As you're starting to grow from 30 to 40 million, et cetera, and you're continuing to grow at that rate, it's pretty difficult. I
0: mean, that's, that's amazing because so many startups fail. There's like 90% of startups fail. Yeah. So yeah. You know, to be able to continue to grow that.
1: But kind of through all of that time, I was relying on recruiters or I was trying to rely on recruiters to help me in that aspect uh, of my job because I was drinking from a fire hose every day. So I'm like, oh, my God, what can I outsource? And especially 2008, the economy sucked. We were hiring like crazy. So every recruiter was calling uh, and wanted our business. And it just, those experiences just honestly fell flat throughout the years. And I thought, man, this is such an important role. Why am I not getting more from these relationships? So I thought, why don't I build my own mousetrap? And then I really sat on a business plan for many, many years until my wife finally encouraged me to jump off the cliff and be an entrepreneur. I was really just the thought of leaving. pretty comfortable salary and income, it almost felt like irresponsible to me mm, to mm-hmm. do that. But it was clearly my passion. And my wife, Meg, was like, you got to do this. You have to do it. So seven and a half years ago, I started a company called Something New. And yeah, easily best decision I ever made.
0: <laughs> yes, I absolutely. And we'll talk about the major successes that Something New has had. But you really spoke about something that I kind of want to dive into, even for myself and especially listeners, because, you know, right now we live in a culture of hustle and take action and take it right away. But I really loved learning this about you, Scott, that you sat on this business plan for 10 years. Yeah. And Sometimes I think of that Teddy Roosevelt quote uh, and it's counterintuitive about the man in the arena. Yep. And even those for those 10 years, it's almost like there's this contemplative practice that you're taking before you take action. And it's just like athletics. You know, you're studying film, you're visualizing, you know, you're doing everything off the court and when it's time to lace them up. It's time to go. And I and I did look up the definition of contemplation, because, again, I just feel like this is a piece that sometimes it just skipped over right through action. Yeah. And the definition was the action of looking thoughtfully at something for a long time and a person who seeks to pass beyond mental images and concepts to a direct experience. So what did those 10 years look like when, you know, although you're still doing your job and then you're on the weekend, what did that look like when you were kind of developing it and creating it? Because everything you've created since this time is just insane intention to detail, and then also has such huge impact with the words, the lettering, the, you know, how you're giving back. What did those 10 years look like when you were creating it?
1: You know, it really gave me a great opportunity. It was like having a laboratory almost because I knew eventually at some point I was going to do it. So every interaction that I had with recruiters or anybody in the talent space or in leadership was really meaningful because not only, you know, were those practical things for me to be doing at the time, but they were also an indication of like, what's missing? What am I not getting that I wish I got? And then how do I create an offering that will, you know, solve the problems that that I was having? So my entrepreneurial journey is really just literally solved the problems that I had for years and years and years. <laughs>
0: And you have done that. So again, the company is called Something New. And you just recently won uh, your seventh in a row, the Business Awards for Innovation, which is incredible. So you had success right from the start. Talk a little bit about that once you got going.
1: So, you know, I knew we were going to build a different mousetrap. So it started literally with the company name. And I remember telling my wife, I'm going to name this company something new. And she's like, hmm, that's a, that's an unusual name. <laughs> and I thought, you know, we're going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to be innovative because it's one thing to introduce something new to the market, mm-hmm. but that gets stale pretty quick. Yes, so yes. you've got to consistently be dedicated to innovation And I think that's something that I'm incredibly proud of my team for always leaning into doing things differently, never really saying like, "Okay, this is the way we do it. And that's the only way we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. I always say I'm married only to one thing. I'm married to Meg. That's it. I'm not married (laughs) to anything else. So anything else can change. Mm -hmm. And through that, you know, we've been able to continue to innovate. And, yeah, it's resulted in a record seven straight American business awards for innovation, which I'm, you know, incredibly proud of our team for accomplishing.
0: And when you name something like that, something new, you have to be up to big things. You know, you're even setting yourself up for awesome, awesome expectations and and successes. So so, Scott, I have a question. I know you love sports. What's a great analogy you have from your athletic experience that you've been able to see in the talent space for for companies and building communities?
1: You know, I mean, from a talent perspective, the things that I'm always looking for in candidates are, you know, work ethic, discipline, and resiliency, which if you look at great athletes, they have a great work ethic, they have great discipline and they're very resilient. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those things are are so tightly correlated and and those are often things that are overlooked in companies looking for talent. Like when I look at job descriptions, if you go on Indeed with millions and millions of job descriptions, Mm You really never see work ethic, discipline or resiliency as a job requirement yet.
0: Right. Those
1: are literally the things that are most likely going to produce a great employee and move the needle. So companies, I think, unfortunately, kind of mistake that they they think those things are table stakes.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. when I
1: bring them up to a client and I say, well, what are your thoughts on things that are not so obvious? like experience in a certain industry or five years doing x y or Mm -hmm. z and i talk about those things like communication skills or empathy or work ethic or discipline or resiliency they're like oh yeah 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 of course we want that but when you say oh yeah 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 that kind of is code word for oh of course we want that everyone has that but you and i know whether it's athletics or whether it's business. Like that's what separates the Kobe Bryants from everybody else. That's what separates, you know, great people in business from everybody else. So it's exceedingly rare to find those attributes in people. So those are, those are things we focus on intensely.
0: I was looking at the website of like, what, what are we all about? You know, what's our belief. And the very first thing, of course, is people over everything. But the very first bullet, I I like circled it on my notes. I was like, what we believe and inspire to be the number one bullet point was a company that gives back. Yeah. So I, and it says our successes do more than build our bank account, being a ring in the ripple that can inspire others to do something good. We believe we can make the world a better place. I mean, Scott, I don't meet very many CEOs or business people that that's their number one belief and foundation for their work. How did that come up? I know you have other ones, but that is like the number one thing that we talk about.
1: It's the most important thing to me. I want to jump out of bed in the morning and be excited about going to work. And quite honestly, like making companies more productive or things like that. Yes, they're they benefit organizations and they do impact people's lives, but it's not as significant as our ability to to give back. So from day one, I knew that was going to be the cornerstone of the business. And I really you know wanted it to be in the company DNA.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. the problem that I ran into is I knew I was also going to bootstrap the company. So I wasn't going to take outside funding. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh boy, (laughs) how am I going to write checks for these organizations that I really believe in? Because I don't have the ability to do that because I'm pouring all the money back into the company. And that's where the idea for the books came in. So the Standing O series, which is you know, books of gratitude for life lessons learned, you know, just came from me trying to figure out how to do that. And I thought my assets are, I have incredible friends like you who are willing uh, to write chapters of gratitude for a life lesson that they've learned. We'd put it in a book and then we'd give all the proceeds to charity. So that started with a book called Standing O, Dick Vermill wrote the forward. Tiki Barber wrote the cover quote, and we had, you know, 52 absolutely amazing contributing authors. We're on book, finished book four, we're on book five, uh, which you're going to be in. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> yeah, about. I I absolutely um,
0: love them. They're the impact and the stories. It's almost like you get to own the other people's experience by reading these great stories.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. So yeah, giving back to me, It's just the DNA of our company. And, you know, you don't have to have a model like Tom's or Bomba's where it's, you know, buy one, give one. Mm -hmm. You know, you can just be uh, a company that believes in doing good in the world. Uh And and that's why we produced the Ripple Report because I, I think, you know, one of the things is that people sometimes think we're not big enough to make an impact. And what they don't realize is that all you really need to do is inspire one person, and if yes. you inspire one person, hopefully that person will inspire somebody else, and that's the ripple effect. And that's you know, even though we're a small organization, hopefully that we've had a big ripple effect on on the world. And that's at the end of the day, I think that's what changes the world. That is is people collectively joining together to do great things. <laughs>
0: You can't beat that, but I want to keep talking <laughs> because that was a such a good line, and you know just the foundation of how to go about in the world. So if you guys go to trysomethingnew.com, you can also pull up their Ripple report, which Scott was talking about, and it has all of these great stats and people that have contributed to the Standing O books. And there, again, there's four of them, and some of the best CEOs, Olympians, Navy Seals. I mean. Anyone that, there's great stories all around. And they wrote the chapter.
1: WNBA players.
0: Yeah, WNBAers. <laughs> for the next one, for the next one, y'all. And then the money all, like I said, the donations go to a foundation that we're we're gonna chat about here in just a minute. So is there a memory or story from one of these books that you've been able to like take with you and you've really been able to kind of embody or one that maybe even surprised you?
1: Oh, there's been so many epic chapters written. One that stands out for me that was just written in a different way. So Mark Brown.
0: Yeah, I know Mark from BYLR. Yeah. Um, Jesse Itzler's. Uh, so your Mark is
1: Jesse Itzler's back. trainer and he played football for the Jets. He's a good friend and he wrote his, it's called Dear Football. So he wrote it as a letter to a sport. So he didn't write it to a specific mm-hmm. person. He gave his gratitude to a sport. He grew up in Patterson, New Jersey, and he really attributes football for changing his life. It's really what got him a, a scholarship to Auburn and then eventually got him in the NFL playing, you know, for the Jets. And, and I thought that was a really unique, impactful chapter. Another friend of mine, Captain Todd Seneff, wrote his about the spouse. He's a 30 year Navy SEAL and wrote his about the spouses that support, you know, our special operators. And that one was really, really impactful. There's just been there's 200 and there's just so many. I I love them all. Uh, So it's like, you know, which of my kids do I love the most? I I love (laughs) them all. But those are just two that that kind of jump out at me.
0: I love both of those, those stories so much. And Mark, I I know Mark, I met him again at a, a weekend for the Build Your Life resume, which Jesse Itzler put on, and he was just an incredible person. I mean, hearing him speak and then watching him on the trails, just awesome. And, you know, even on social media, everything that he's about. So I love that. I'll make sure to read that chapter specifically about him. I was thinking about something you said earlier about the, you only have to, in Inspire, influence one person, which is what you were doing with the Standing O books and everything that you're doing through something new with your ways of giving back. And I really want everybody to listen into that because it's so profound. It only takes one ripple to, and again, Scott calls it the ripple effect, to really impact someone. For me personally, that's why I started the Get Busy Living podcast, you know, it was, you know, the good vibes, the growth mindset and giving back. And when I would get a DM or a text from someone just real quick thinking about what we introduced Joy McAdams again, and I got a text from um, one of my friends was like, this really made a difference because I'm dealing with a blended family and I really wanted to know how to create that powerfully like Joy does. And Joy has a blended family with five kids. And so that really made a difference. She was like that, that conversation. I was like, let's make an introduction, you know, and I was like, oh, and I went on a walk that night and I was like, oh, if that's the only thing that comes of this podcast, I'm like so happy. And if it's been great because I've had other people just message me, but it's so great how you kind of create something and the one person... That's all that matters if they have a little bit of impact.
1: Yeah, I think so often like people don't do things because they they want the impact to be too great. So it's like, oh, I'm not going to post this on social media because I'm not going to get enough likes or I'm not mm-hmm. going to do a podcast because I'm only going to get this many downloads or I'm not going to, you know, write that book because it's not going to sell that much or whatever. We have all this kind of head trash around that. Yes. When in reality, it's that that one relationship, that one person that you're going to impact that can change everything. And that's why for me, relationships are so important. I'm not trying to collect like have the biggest network of people. I'm trying to have the most genuine relationships. And that's you know why I pour a, a lot into the relationships that I have. Because they mean so much to me, and they can make such a huge impact on your life.
0: I, I'm already so grateful that I got to meet you in the in the three months, and you know, having you here in conversation. I have all these great books. I've got so many awesome stickers. The people I've met. I already feel the impact. It's almost like I can feel the wave, you know, it's bigger than a ripple for me of who you are in the world and, you know, who joy is and the people that are in this community. It is really, you can feel that, that realness and that vibration through people. And then, you know, I was thinking about the one person of impact and when I was in high school, I do remember some of the games. So playing basketball and maybe you, maybe you had this as a football guy or baseball guy. I'd love to hear your take. Maybe we're playing a team that wasn't really great. And we knew we were going to win like, you know, the game, most likely, if we played half decent, right? And I remember being in the warm-ups, you know, where I was getting ready to play. And I'm like, what I would look is I was look around the stands, you know, in my high school gym, which I had practiced, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours in just by myself, but it was always fun to play in front of people. And I was like, what if someone is here for the very first time to watch me and this team perform? And so I always thought if it's just one person that can take something away from this game, even if we were supposed to win or however I played, I was like, I'm going to play my hardest because there might just be one person. So I think of that as well, just as a little like kind of closure of, you just never yeah, know my impact.
1: Very cool. I don't think I was that profound at that age. But yeah, that's a very cool mindset to have.
0: You know, yeah, because, you know, you're going to go out there, how can you create something that's, you know, bigger than yourself, which right Mm. now we can jump into that, which is the main tagline of this podcast is what inspires you to be bigger than yourself. And so for me at that, you know, in high school, I always thought of, hey, you just never know, who's out there watching and what impact they can take away from the game or how I high five or how I cheer. If I'm on the bench, you know, there's lots of different things. People are always watching.
1: (laughs) I was always a maximum effort kind of a guy. Mm -hmm. So I actually wound up getting injured a bunch in high school playing football and my coach who's a hall of fame. I'd played for two hall of fame coaches, which was pretty cool. But one of my coaches, Steve Philippone would say like, you know, you practice so hard, you're practicing, like it's a game, like you, that's why you're getting hurt uh, oh. all the time, but I'm like kind of one speed Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to put everything, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to put everything into it.
0: Absolutely. And you know, that go, that kind of circles back to the part of the, the business plan that you're waiting on for 10 years. Cause you knew once you made that decision, you were going to be at full steam ahead with something new. And And look at the success it's brought you. And you are that kind of a person, whether it's writing the books, creating the books, or the Talent Champions Council. So I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about that because this this community has kind of blown my mind, to be honest, in in the very short amount of time for two months that I've been there. So this is going to be one of those things that I definitely want other people to engage in and hopefully sign up for. So tell us a little bit about the genesis of the Talent Champions
1: Council. So... It goes back to late August, early September, 2020. My wife and I just kind of wanted to get away, peak COVID time. And we're like, we got to get out of Dodge. (laughs) Where can we go that we've never been before? And we had always heard great things about Charleston, South Carolina. So we're like, Mm -hmm. "Okay, let's go to Charleston, South Carolina, which is like like a 14 hour drive. So we drive down there and we have an incredible time, even though going there late August, like weather-wise, very <laughs> dumb. Uh, <because laughs> Pretty
0: hot was, then. Oh and my humid, God, humid The thing. heat
1: and humidity was insane.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Don't come to Miami in August then. <laughs> exactly.
1: So in our drive back, I was saying to Meg, you know, we we're talking about my business, something new. And I'm like, I love it. It gives me the ability to give back. It gives me the ability to help people. But it's not overly scalable. Like we Mm. can only work with like maybe about 100 companies a year. and We're pretty tapped out at that point. So I was trying to figure out, like, how can I give back more and how can I help more people? And it just dawned on me how I didn't think of this earlier. I have no idea. (laughs) But I'm like, well, all the companies that we're working with and helping them with their people strategy They're just made up of individual leaders that really need this help. So why don't I try to start a private membership community and we'll teach all of those leadership principles in kind of that people over everything mantra Mm -hmm. to try to get people to level up their games and understand that people are going to make or break your success and help people with all those things that I'll bring in, you know, people from pro sports, Mm -hmm. people from the military who I actually think do talent way better than corporate America. And that's how the Talent Champions Council got born. So literally, I came back to the office. This was early September 2020. And I said to my team, we're going to start a private membership community. And they were like, oh, my God, like, it's because we're already so And we got it up and running in a month or two. And, you know, we're a year, a little over, you know, a year plus in. Mm -hmm. And we have 500 members in 29 countries. We put on 140 live interactive events a year with amazing people. And it's just so much fun. Absolutely love it.
0: So there's 500 members so far in just a short amount of time. And I got to say, so, and you said there's 140 live events when we have speakers coming in, yep. you know, coming in and chatting. I've been on at least three of them and I've been absolutely blown away by the things that, you know, the conversations that come up, the questions that are asked and the takeaways that I can have for myself. I, I can't recommend this highly enough. And, you know, you also get all these cool patches and stickers, <laughs> and but the community it is a lot of as everyone is supporting each other and what they're up to and really kind of just having everyone's back. It does feel like almost an athletic team or like you said, maybe the military or, you know, the Navy SEALs where everyone's helping each other really kind of accomplish a goal or, you know, talking the same kind of growth mindset language.
1: We've had guests that have come on and, and some of these folks are very, very prominent, you know. Very well known, the Brandy Chastains of the world, Dick Vermeil, just a lot of really prominent people, and and I think they've all been pretty impressed that our community is super engaged. They're really, really engaged, and. Everybody just wants to help each other. So it's it's been just a ton of fun. We've got some incredible events coming up. We've got Joe Foster, who's the founder of Reebok.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, He's yeah.
1: 87 years old. He's an absolute legend. We've got cool. him coming on. We have Meredith Vieira, who's a legendary broadcaster coming on. Christine Lilly, Amazing. all-time great soccer Amazing. player. Yes. So all, all coming to talk about different facets of leadership.
0: Oh. And everyone listening, so these these conversations that you just talked about, the Brandy Chastain's, Meredith Vieira, these are happening live on Zoom, and you actually have face-to-face time with them to ask questions and have interaction. I can't recommend it highly enough. And there's also like a book club. There's other conversations around it. And the community is for anyone who believes that people are a company's greatest assets. Just real quick about the Talent Champions Council. I was wondering, Scott, because you get to interview all these people that come on. Yep. For at least the, the first thirty minutes, and then it's open for thirty minutes of q and A. Q&A. What have you discovered newly by sitting in there and having these conversations, and or and or just creating the Ta- Talent Champions Council? Is there something that you've discovered newly about
1: yourself that I have a lot to learn? Uh, that's <laughs> for sure. So everybody that comes on, I always wind up with like these aha moments where. Mm-hmm. They say something that just like stops you in your tracks. And as somebody who's kind of a voracious reader and listens to podcasts and, and really tries to do a lot in self-development, it's, it's so cool to have those personal, you know, interactions with them. A lot of the people, most of the people I would say that that come on are, are friends of mine. So I know them personally, but mm-hmm. even, even then it's kind of cool to have people say something, that you go, wow, I never heard that before. I never thought of it that way. Uh So yeah, I'm constantly reminded that, you know what, we're always learning. There's always room for growth. And, you know, no one person has all the answers. And that's what's so cool about a community is that all 500 members have something really valuable to contribute.
0: I love that. You know, you just touched upon a, a big point that I think we both have in common, which is that growth mindset. Even when I do research for these podcasts or I already know someone a little bit, there's always something new to discover, you know, like a new way of saying something, a new way like of, of a lens to look at a situation that someone brings to my attention. I'm like, I've never even thought of it that way, you know, and I absolutely love the conversations that we've had in the Talent Champions Council, but it's one of those mindsets that you can always be growing and always be looking at something newly like you know the curiosity the one thing that might just work is right around the corner from where you're already looking you know do you, do you have a definition of growth mindset I've, I've said on here i'm not sure if i've said it on this podcast but i've been interviewed before that my my personal definition of growth mindset is you know what's the best thing that can happen here you know where a lot of people are like, oh, but what if that one bad thing goes wrong yeah. and so that's kind of how i've always looked at like you know, life through a kind of a clear colored lens of anything can happen. I can create anything out of this. Anything's possible. So what is growth mindset for you? If you had to define it.
1: Uh, It's a great question. To me, it's like constant curiosity. I'm just so curious. Like I love to ask questions as many times I'm on a podcast. Like I don't really like to talk. I like to listen. And it's funny, but my wife will say like, there are times I'm at a party or something and I really don't say a word. I'm just kind of listening and taking everything in. So I'm just super curious. I love getting to really know people and understand what's important to them, what makes them tick. And I learned so much. So to me, like growth mindset is is just that constant curiosity that hopefully we all have about. And, and that's why I, people have asked, how did you build this network of you know, people that are so interesting because mm-hmm. I'm. it doesn't matter to me whether it's sports, art, any domain that somebody is exceptional in. I'm like, that is so cool. It's so interesting to figure out, like, how did you become the best at this? That story to me is always fascinating. So I'm I'm constantly curious to figure those things out.
0: Oh my gosh, Scott. I think this is hilarious because I have on my notes, I'm like, what is Scott insanely curious about? And so maybe you're just curious about curiosity. Like what, what's possible? What's out there?
1: <laughs> yeah, everything. It's really people's stories. It's who they are. And it's, uh, I don't know. I love building relationships. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like it. I'm not looking for the most followers. I'm looking for real relationships. Like I love the relationship that we've built. Yes. Like it's when I get a text uh, from <laughs> you, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good day. Like it's just fun. Oh, oh
0: um, man, absolutely. I feel the same way. I literally feel the same way. I was so excited to be able to talk with you. Wait, I'll tell you a quick story because you said you were, you were somebody that listens a lot in you know, group dynamics, or you love to ask questions, I could feel the synergy right away, you know, between us. So I gotta tell you a story, all through my life, people were like, you know, you ask a lot of questions. And when I moved to Florida, I didn't know anybody. So I moved to Fort Lauderdale eight years ago without knowing anyone. And I just kind of went to a couple of places and started talking to people. And I got invited, you know, out to different events. And that was when I was like, I'm saying yes to everything. Cause I need to meet some, meet the community yeah. here. And I would ask a ton of questions and they're like, oh, you're the new question master girl. And so they kind of would say that back and <laughs> forth. And I was like, oh, I'm really, really interested in your story. Like, where are you from? How did you end up in Florida? Like, what are you, you know, what are you interested in here? Honestly, that's also where the podcast came from is because I really like hanging out with people and asking a lot of questions, you know, and seeing all their, their research, or their story. Yeah. So I just knew that we had that synergy and I wanted to share that real quickly because I was like, I love it. And let's talk right there on that moment. What inspires them to be bigger than themselves? So it's my favorite part to talk about, even though we've touched upon it during the Standing O, the Talent Champions Council, and something new, but we have to talk about these incredible nonprofits that you support, Scott. And I mean, there's so many. When I wrote you the email, I'm like, I've never seen a list of this many nonprofits that someone has supported throughout their career. So let's just touch upon that. If you want to start out first with the Look for the Good project.
1: Absolutely amazing organization. Ann Kabitsky is a is a fantastic friend. How she gets as much done as she gets done is absolutely beyond me. I think she works like 24-7. <laughs> so it's really about teaching kids gratitude and kindness in schools. Mm-hmm. And she's put together an unbelievable curriculum. She's rolling out some new stuff, which I don't think I'm probably supposed to talk about, so I won't. Okay. <laughs> but I mean spectacular literally spectacular so it was really fun she was in my second book and we actually gave all the proceeds to standing on encore to the look for the good project oh
0: my gosh this website was amazing the look uh, look for the good project.org let me tell you their mission our mission is to improve the lives of children by giving them access to a social emotional learning program, which develops healthy self-esteem. And if you guys go to lookforthegoodproject.org, you'll see all these cool videos. They have gratitude spots for all these kids in elementary schools. And what I found interesting watching those videos, you know, definitely the kids were happy and really full of gratitude, but listening to the teachers and principals at the schools and the parents, You could see that their world had transformed because of the the Look for the Good project and what they were doing in over 35 states and communities.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the work they do is is unbelievable. So choosing the charity for each book is kind of a really special practice for us as we really try to figure out, like, who, who can we serve? Who can we help? who can we shine a really bright spotlight on? And it's just been phenomenal. (sighs)
0: I absolutely love that. They've, they've taught over 250,000 children and I was just inspired. I even bought, I even bought Ann's book last night on Amazon because it was like, learn how a humpback whale inspired thousands of people to look for the good. And if you bring up any kind of animal psychology to me, I'm like, I'm buying that book. I need to know about this humpback whale. I need to know where it all started. So she looks like an amazing person that's had, you know, so much impact over the time. And Scott, so you also have a couple of other nonprofits that we'll definitely be putting in the show notes that you're inspired by. Can you talk a little bit about them? I see Warrior Rising, Special Operations, Warrior Foundation, Elevate New York. Just touch upon those as well, because we'll definitely make sure to highlight them.
1: Yeah. So the first book that I put out, we actually gave the money and, and highlighted two one was called Keep on Playing, which is run by a really good friend of mine, Marnie Schneider. Mm. Marnie's mom was the first GM, first and only GM in the NFL. Uh, wow. Susan Spencer. She was the general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and Marnie's grandfather, Leonard Toast, uh, was the owner of the Eagles. So Marnie is a, is a great friend and, and runs Keep on Playing. <sighs> And then Elevate New York, I used to be the chairman of the board uh, for Elevate New York, it was run by Kevin Singleton, and is a program uh, embedded into the school in the South Bronx in New York, just does incredible work, so was, was really excited to support them, Special Operations Warrior Foundation, is uh the nonprofit that we supported from a book called standing O salute mm-hmm. uh, which is all military and uh the special operations warrior foundation helps support the children of special operators who have passed away or been uh severely wounded in the, in the line of duty blankets of hope is an amazing organization mm-hmm. run by mike and nick fiorito and doing incredible work to not only help kids in school. So, what happens is children in school write notes uh, that go with the blankets that are given to the homeless. Oh. So, it really is this really cool, virtuous circle that they've uh, created. And then, Warrior Rising is the nonprofit that we're supporting with the book that you're going to be in, uh, which is Standing O'Honor. And Standing O'Honor will be out October, November of, of this year. Warrior Rising is run by one of our board members for the TCC, Jason Van Camp. Uh, Jason's a West Point grad, played football at Army Green Beret, decorated Green Beret and runs Warrior Rising and another company called Mission Six Zero. Oh. <laughs>
0: I know you guys probably couldn't keep up with all of them. They, it's just amazing all of the different impact you're able to have, you know, and if you listen to that, a lot of it was about giving back between all what, you know, these organizations are doing and also gratitude, you know, having a lot of thanks for everything. And I know you you mentioned your two sons briefly, but you they're in the military right now. I just want to make sure I said thank you for their service, because I, I know that that's, being a military family is, is a hard thing.
1: Yeah. So they're out of the military now, believe it or not. But my oldest son was a Marine Mm. and my youngest son was 82nd Airborne. So your military life is is crazy when you see it up front and and personal. And, you know, I've, I've got lots and lots of friends that are in the military and I have just absolutely To say I have enormous respect is an understatement um, for the sacrifices that that they've made. It's just incredible.
0: So you've continued to keep growing with that growth mindset and, you know, creating a new iteration of yourself. What does that evolution look like for you in a couple of years from now or and building out your legacy? Is there something you want to do next, something new or, you know, how do you want to keep growing
1: yeah, you know what? I'm not a big like five-year, 10-year plan person. I kind of believe in living into the answers. So I think one of the beauties of having these incredible relationships with amazing people is you have no idea where it's going to take you. So I kind of just let things happen naturally. I mean, I'm super passionate about something new. I'm very passionate about the Talent Champions Council. I'm really passionate about giving back um, the boards that I'm on and and other things like that. So I don't know, just keep growing those businesses and see, see where it takes us.
0: That honestly is one of the best answers. I love that because it's kind of like the magnetism and the vibration, the energy that you speak about often is that there is something out there. And the the more that you're giving back, the more that you're connecting with great people, the more those answers kind of show up for themselves.
1: Right. Yeah. I think too often, you know, people try to figure out what's going to happen at the end of the game. Mm. And they take that to, when it comes to relationships, I think a lot of people think, well, why am I going to invest in this relationship? Because I'm not sure how it's going to pay off monetarily, Mm. maybe for me. I never think that way. I just think, is this an interesting person that I would love to get to know? And then I'm going to invest in them. And I know that any success that I've had in life, I kind of stand in these spots and go, how the hell did I get here? (laughs) And I when I reverse engineer it, it's this crazy circuitous path that took me there that if I had thought, how is this relationship going to benefit me, I would have never imagined, you know, how that would have transpired. But so I think you just have to kind of live into some of those things.
0: I absolutely love that. Reverse engineering is one of like the foundational principles of my life of what's out there. And it's, it's also kind of like that Steve Jobs quote that he had in the Stanford commencement speech. It's mm-hmm. like you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them when you look backwards, you know. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: I yeah. love that. Well, I got to say this has been just an amazing conversation. I love to call you my friend and I'm so honored that you're here.
1: Oh, I could. This has been so much fun. What a way to spend the day chatting with you. I could literally, I could talk to you all day. So I appreciate it. I'm honored.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening to our conversation. If you have a GBL story in your life, share it with me on Instagram at getbusylivin underscore pod. I might just share your story on a future episode. Thank you for sharing in the good vibes and giving back and GBLing with us.